When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey everyone, this is Alex from the Pirates Podcast to be named later. Quick disclaimer before we get this one started. Chris Halleck and I, we talk about Derek Shelton's contract status and what his future is going forward with the Pirates in this episode. The analysis is still fine, but we just wanted to put this quick disclaimer beforehand to say more definitively, yes, he is coming back next year. Ben Charrington said so on Friday afternoon after we recorded the episode and we didn't have time to re-record. So just to throw that out there in case there was any ambiguity, he is coming back. There's a whole article on the site about it that Chris wrote. Check that out also, and check out the rest of this podcast. Thanks. Good morning and welcome to the Pirates podcast to be named later here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. He's Chris Halleck. I'm Alex Dumpf. Chris, you got the weekend series for me. I got a little R&R here. That's that's nice. Yeah, it sure is nice to go from Steelers training camp to Pirates Reds. It's going to be <laughs> riveting baseball. I can't wait to be at PNC Park. It's uh, it's going to be a blast. I I I feel sorry that you're getting all these Pirates Reds games right off the shoot, but man, oh man, am I not missing watching these watching those games? These these are some of the worst games on the schedule. And I, again, I'm going to say that last trip of the season to Cincinnati where you're missing it. And I cannot tell you how excited I am to finally, after three whole years on the site, <laughs> miss a series <laughs> in Cincinnati. That is, well, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm, ar- I'm already doing my, my tourist plans for my four days in Cincinnati. I'll get to, cover the Steelers uh, season opener there. And then I'm going to get to stay in Cincinnati and cover four games in three days. Um, I'm planning to put chili on just about everything that I possibly can uh, just to see what it tastes like. And bad. Uh, yeah. It's I, bad. I, I, I know that, but I, I've got to, I've got to take some, passive aggressive shots here um, because, you know, there was only one right way or at least one. Um, yeah. I'll say one right way to do chili. And then there's a, 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 a number of branches that fall from that one way. You can do these type of beans, those type of beans, mixtures of beans. Just don't put it on anything other than a hot dog. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, you but, Texas, they don't put it, uh, Beans in no, chili, right? No. If you go to a, te- if you register or enter into a Texas chili cook off and you put beans in your chili, you will be disqualified. 
what an odd, odd state. Yes, it is. And I, I argued with Texans until the cows came home. And I, yes, I used that cliche. That's a very Texas purpose. statement right there. <laughs> I argued until the cows came home that beans belong in Chile. And uh, it was my hill to die on uh, of all the hills that there are in Texas, um, which are not many. All three um, of them, yeah. I died on that hill. And I, yeah. That was your Anyway, album. Pirates baseball. Yes. <laughs> yes, we are. Our transitions are getting lazier as the season goes on. But well, yes. Pir- <laughs> can you blame us? <laughs> Those are his words, not mine. Uh-oh. So, so Pirates baseball, we're going to start off this week's episode uh, with Derek Shelton. Uh, this week he went on 93.7 The Fan and he was asked about his job security and he said he was very secure mm-hmm. moving forward. And wins, losses, everything aside, this is pretty much what was, I don't want to say expected, but it kind of expected of what was going to go on. They did not go into 2022 thinking they were going to be competitive. And you can look at, you know, O'Neill Cruz's struggles, you know, as, you know, an indictment against the coaching staff and the manager, you can look at a couple things like that, but for the most part, this team wasn't built to be, you know, competing for a playoff spot this year. Right. So, Chris, I ask you, three years in to the Derek Shelton era, it's going to end up being one of the three worst stretches, barring a, a late surge at the end of the year in the franchise's history. He has a fourth year on the contract. Does he, does he get, you know, the thumbs up for another year in your eyes? I mean – not, not looking that, if, if it would, but if you were making the decision, would you? If I were making the decision, if I'm Ben Charrington here, and yes, there's a reason why Ben Charrington is, is in the job that he has, and I'm in the job that I am, because I am not equipped to be a baseball general manager. But I would not do that because myself personally, I have not seen the necessary player development at the major league level that needs to take place in order to get this team moving in the right direction. In my opinion, it has stagnated a little bit too much and even regressed in other areas and especially defense. It it can, any kind of major regression on in any form when you're trying to rebuild um, is not a good sign. And uh, I, and I'm not saying this because I'm <laughs> the team that I was covering two months ago or two and a half months ago just cleaned house because they're not on the right uh, on the right uh, trajectory to become competitive by the time that they expect to be- become competitive. But if I'm trying to decipher Derek Shelton's job security, is what is what at what point does this team? think that they can become competitive for a playoff spot. And are they on pace? Are they on track to meet that goal? If Derek Shelton and the major league club is not on track to do that, I, I think that that speaks for what kind of decision needs to be made. I think if Ben Charrington believes 
that Derek Sheldon is on pace to do that, then he keeps his job. Um, I, I think it really is that simple. Uh, that then becomes the question of, is he on pace to do that? My personal opinion, I'm not seeing it, but again, there's a reason why I'm doing this and not, you know, being the general manager of a baseball club. And to go off of what you said about, you know, when are you going to be really competitive? Like internally, I've heard 24 as kind of the, and that makes a real target year, which I, I will stand by as much as everyone rolls their eyes about the two runs and how many games the Pirates have lost by that many this year. Yeah, I will stand by. I don't think this team is that far away from winning 80 something. If they really went into this offseason with an urgency to win in the 2023 Major League season, they could for a relatively affordable price if they play their cards right. Yeah. So I, I, I don't buy that it has to be 24. I think it can be 23. And it's for that reason that I, I'm saying, yeah, you do keep Shelton on board. Now, you do have to make some sort of shake up to the coaching staff, because if you lose 100 games, you can't go back with what it is. And no, I look at the coaching staff. I don't know. This isn't a pitching problem. I know the whole team staff stats aren't great. No, but there's been some but, developments. There. But there has been some development. There has been some good yeah. usage in how they are deployed. There is some good usage or good stuff on what's going on behind the scenes that whenever you start giving, you know, Oscar Marine and Justin Message and Radley Haydad and Jeremy Bleich, you know, a Mike Burroughs and a Quinn Priester or something, that's mm-hmm. going to make a difference for for this organization. So I, I don't know if you can make any changes on the pitching side of this. So that basically looks at the offense. Andy Haynes, do you move on from him after one year? I know a whole lot of people want to, and maybe you end up doing it, but it's also one year from it. Like some, some people have to fall on the sword to completely speculate. I look at someone like Christian Marrero as, mm. you know, in, in a really tough spot, assistant hitting coach who you need to obviously make some sort of shakeup on the hitting side of, of things. He wasn't one of Andy's guys. Like that's an easy, if you're looking for guys to target, like not to throw poor Christian under the bus to, right. to answer well, for the sins of this offense. That's, <laughs> but that's, yeah. Someone it, needs to fall on the sword. Right. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is that whenever, the, you know, like we're, like we're talking about, and you did bring up a good point when it can, when it comes to the pitching staff, there's not anything there that jumps out and says, okay, that's the future of the ball club. I'm really excited about that. But there are enough developments where it's like, okay, Mitch Keller has taken a step in the right direction. JT yes. Brubaker has Big taken step. a step in the right direction. Big step. Last night was, um, or Thursday night was yes. beautiful. Right. And so, like, there are definite – those are signs of moving forward. And if the, those kinds of things were happening – throughout the entire team, when it comes to the pitching, when it comes to the defense, when it comes to the hitting, I'd be more inclined to say, yes, Derek Shelton is the guy. But Derek Shelton is an offensive guy. This team is really, really struggling in, in a number of offensive categories. And I understand it's a very, very young lineup. This is a, But if there's a, if there's a consistent – we talked about last week about the carousel going on of guys – Going, you know, hitting well AAA, they go to the major leagues, they they really struggle. They go back down to AAA, they hit well, they go back up to the major leagues, they struggle. Okay. The gap between AAA and the major leagues 
is arguably the widest it's ever been, or it's it's definitely a sizable gap right now. So that, not saying this is an easy thing to figure out, like, hey, snap your fingers and make AAA hitters good major league hitters. Mm-hmm. But there's got to be ways to – you've got to figure – I mean, the, this is the Pittsburgh Pirates we're talking about. This isn't a team that can fix their problems by spending $200 million on a, on a baseball club. The player development has to take place. Yes. And 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 that that's just – and if that means you have to make tough decisions, like – letting Andy Haynes go after one year because you just don't see the fit there, then that's what you do. I'm not saying that's the right decision or the wrong decision. I, I, I don't know, but you have to take a hard look at what's happening. What happened with our offense? Did O'Neill Cruz do enough at the major league level to feel like, okay, he can then hit the ground running in 2023 and take another step forward. That's to be determined. And, and not granted, we still have a month and a half of the season to go. Uh, you know, it, you know, there's still, you know, enough baseball left for, for somebody to, to get on a September roll and, and, you know, okay, I got this figured out. Now I can go into the off season with a good game plan and then go into spring training next year. And, and, and here's what I need to do in order to, to, to take, the, uh, take that next step to become a, a major league hitter. Um, but it's across the board. I mean, how many offense, how many hitters can you look at right now and be like, Okay, that guy's taking a definite step forward, and I'm not even talking about guys like Brian Reynolds or or Key Brian Hayes or or guys who have been here for multiple years. I'm talking about the young hitters. Like how many guys have come here and been like, okay, he is for sure a, a piece of the future, and I'm not at all concerned about his development right now. Here's going to be my counterpoint to that. And okay, yeah, and, and someone can call me out in the comments or on Twitter if if I'm wrong about this. But to my knowledge, just off the top of my head. I think there have only been three players who ranked in the parts top 10 prospects at the time of their promotion that have mm-hmm. been promoted to the majors in, in Derek Shelton's time. So we can talk about, yeah, there are some issues with the development. There are some issues like this. There is a noticeable, whenever these guys come up, it, it's a bit of a battle for them to get up to the major leagues, but only yep. a handful of them are among the cream of the crop of the top prospects. So a lot of these guys who have been top 10 for a while, have been lowering the system and now are in Altoona. I'm not going to count Baguero. I guess it'll, I should also say because he got caught up for a cup of coffee, but like yeah, so legitimate, <laughs> legitimate call-ups it's, it's key in 2020 mm-hmm. and then Cruz and, and Roe and, yeah. and Roe's young and figuring stuff out and key is uh, inconsistent with the bat, but the defense is just so damn good that yeah. he's still leading this team in war and still, you know, an impact player through his glove alone. And whenever he does eventually hit a little more consistently, this guy's going to be an all-star. And then yep. Cruz is, you know, I mean, we, we see what it is with Cruz where he, occasionally he'll have like a really good swing, like last night off a breaking ball off a lefty takes it the other way to a base. Head. It's like, okay, that's a good sign. That yep. is more of what we need to see. I'm the overall package hasn't been good, but they're working. They're working. Right. You know, right. not everyone comes up to the major leagues, and just immediately hits the ground running. And that's no. kind of my point with all of this. With mm-hmm. him that, like, yeah, we could look at some of the developmental things. We could look at some guys coming up to the major leagues and struggling. Derek Shelton was dealt a very bad hand. And yeah. That's kind of my, the, the biggest argument I have for a year for that. You gave him three years of a team that weren't supposed to be competitive. And mm-hmm. now you're, surprised whatever they're not particularly competitive like 
this was always kind of the plan that you were building for that 2024 season. And right. his contract's not through 2024, but he's got another year on it. I don't see why you change horses on the guy. If you, if you thought you were going to be a playoff team next year, mm-hmm. you lose a hundred something game that games that changes something. But for right now, no, but with all that said, with all that said, I'm going to bring this back to uh, one of my favorite Godfather quotes, Godfather 2, whenever uh, Hyman Ross is just absolutely (laughs) ripping a new one on Michael. And he's, he's like, this is the business we've chosen. And that's kind of the spot with Derek Shelton that if they do decide to move on because it was three, 100 loss season, it's like, you knew what you were signing up for. Yeah. And that's kind of where it is. I don't think it's the right decision. Right. I, I, not that I expect him to go on the radio and announce to the world, Hey, boy, oh boy, is my seat hot. I'm, (laughs) I'm here for a couple more weeks max. Yeah, like I, I understand the confidence. I think it's justified. I also want to see how these last, you know, six weeks go of this yeah. regular season. Like if where does Cruz write the ship a little bit? How yeah. just what's the state of the clubhouse at the end mm-hmm. of the season? Like if, if they really just check out, that could influence the decision as well. But so far, I see work. I see some things that they are developing well and deploying well. I see a lot of shortcomings like like you brought up mm-hmm. i don't think it's enough to to change horses at this point though yeah and I, and i'm not i'm not on here like calling for shelton's head or anything no no like no, that. no like no, yeah no. no this is this is i, I post you a hypothetical yeah right yeah no this is a this is a situation where it's like listen the pirates have like like i said before and to reiterate the pirates have to take a long look at what are they on track to be where they want to be when they want to compete again and if they feel like they're on track to do that, then, and, and you're right, 2023 might be the year of, okay, so if 2024 is the year that they plan to be competitive for a playoff spot, then there has to be legitimate step forward next season. Yeah, I'm talking. No I'm talking in the win loss column. I, we can talk yeah. about player development. We can talk no, about no more developmental wins. Yeah, win ball yeah. games. Yes, yes. I, it doesn't mean that you have to be 500. It doesn't mean it kind that of have, does, in my opinion. Well, I, right, but I'm just saying. Look, so if if this team wins 65 games this year, which I think would be quite an accomplishment with the uh, <laughs> the current trajectory, but if this team wins 65 games this year. And then next year they win 80, like they're under 500, but they improved by 15 wins. And you saw enough development in all three phases of the game, hitting, pitching, and fielding, that they're all trending in the right direction. And there's enough room in the payroll. And I'm saying this with as much confidence as I possibly can. I wish that you they all will, could have seen Chris's face there. Yeah, with that they would actually increase payroll to compete in 2024, then I'd say, okay, they're heading in the right direction. And, and unfortunately, we won't really know that until next year when this team really does have to start winning more baseball games. They have to become a more competitive team on the field with actual results. Like, And we can talk about 
the baseball being uh, juiced or the baseball being dead. All external factors are there. There's no excuses anymore when it comes to that kind of stuff, because all 30 major league teams have to deal with the same circumstances when it comes to that kind of stuff. So we can talk about, Oh, batting average is down this year because the baseball is dead or what, you know, doesn't matter. You have to take a, a serious step forward in results in the win loss column. You have to do it next year. And if they don't have that, by the trade deadline next year, then I think Derek Shelton Derek Shelton is not the guy moving forward. So, but I haven't seen the, the step forward personally that I think this team needed to take this year. Um, I think any any signs of regression or is a, is a is a serious red flag. But I also don't think that. Um, the possibility of them competing in 2024 uh, or that all hope is lost when it comes to that either. So we'll see. With that, we are going to take our first break of the show. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Pirates podcast to be named later here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Chris, I did a all prospects live cues this week, and I got the same question a couple times of, you know, why why are Greg Allen and Ben Gamble and Kevin Newman starting over Jack Sawinski and, and Travis Swaggerty and Diego Castillo? Whenever you go through here, and we, we've talked about in the past why you do keep some of these veterans around, but... I kind of feel the same way. Like you can keep Ben Gamble in the lineup occasionally or anything, but mm-hmm. sh- shouldn't you want to give a lot of at bats to a Swaggerty or Sawinski? And I'll, I'll preface it by saying that Sawinski's worked on some things in the minors. We are going to see him in the major leagues again, some point this year. But yeah. It, it, it's also, he's done fairly well in triple a, you know, see mm-hmm. if some of that stuff translates not to suggest to rush him, but you know, that's an at bat in the major leagues that could have more bearing on this team in the future than every single game Ben Gamble and Greg Allen being in the lineup. 
Yeah, I, I think, and this is again the. I think we talked about this a few weeks ago when we're, when we were talking about the balance needing to be struck between veterans playing and young guys playing. When you have veterans in the lineup, especially veterans who can actually produce, um, like Ben Gamble can. I mean, when we're talking about most consistent hitters in the in the Pirates lineup, obviously Brown Reynolds is atop the list. But you you're not going to go too much further down before you you put Ben Gamble there. Um, yeah. You have you have to. I think there does have to be some sort of veteran presence, even whenever you have a very very young team. Uh, and the the very fortunate thing about the Universal DH now is that that gives you an extra bat or an, or an extra spot in the lineup to get guys at bats. Um, and I think the biggest reason why is because if it, if it's a if it's a, an entire lineup of nothing but young guys who are, are needing the experience, it can feel a little bit like they're drowning. There needs to be a bit of an there needs to be an anchor in the lineup, and I'm talking about more than just one guy in the lineup because if you're hitting sixth, you know Brian Reynolds hitting second in the lineup that that's a long way away. You know, uh, if you're hitting six or seventh, you know, that, that, that's, there needs to be some sort of stability in the lineup for, for so that guys don't feel like, don't feel the pressure of, oh my God, I have to get a hit here. Because it's not just them going and getting at bats. When they're, when they step up to the plate, it's a game situation. They're, they're playing a game. It's a game situation. You know, I, I, you know, I need to either move the runner over here. I got to get, the, I got to get a hit here. Or I, you know, you know, I, I've, at minimum here, got to have a productive out. I can't strike out here. You know, there's game situations that the guys, that these guys have to face. And when there isn't more stability in the lineup of guys who know how to hit, who guys who've been there and they know how to do that, um, it, it can, and I've seen it happen with, with, you know, the Rangers, whenever I covered them, it, it can begin to take its a, a mental toll on these young guys if they consistently fail and they fail and they fail and they fail again it, it can take its toll and having some veteran guys there that they can pick their brain that they can you know go up to ask hey how do you handle that situation how do you do you know i think that that does help um and plus when we're talking about ben i mean they the good thing is, is that they have gotten rid of some of the dead weight they have gotten get gotten rid of guys like yoshi um you know who, who just did not need to be there. Um, I, I do think that there is a spot for at least a couple of guys. And I, when we're talking about, I, I, I'll argue all day that Ben Gamble needs to be in the lineup just about every day because I don't I, now. I also think Jack, Jack Sawinski should be up there uh, to, you know, getting at bats, whether that's as the DH or, uh, you know, whatever. And maybe Travis Swaggerty, you know, comes up eventually too. I understand there's only so many outfielders you can have in the lineup, <laughs> But at the same time, I, I do think that there needs to be some sort of, um, like I said, stability in the lineup so that these guys have somewhere to look uh, to see an example of how it's supposed to be done at the major league level. No, no, I get that. I get that. It's And to a certain extent, yes, I agree. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I look at... Newman, Gamble, Allen as three guys who might not be on the 40-man roster come early December whenever they're non-tender and, you know, maybe you make a trade at the winter meetings or whatever. Yeah. Allen's a free agent at the end of the year. And, it's, and I get that. You need those guys 
in the clubhouse and you need those guys occasionally in the lineup, but every day, I, I, I just, I don't, I I'm not going to make an answer yeah. on someone yeah. like Greg Allen right now, but I don't think yeah. it, 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 I don't think anyone really came into this year thinking that, Oh, Greg Allen is going to outplay all these rookies and he's going to yeah, be he, part of this organization going forward. And then he misses half a year. And then whenever he comes back, he struggles. And it's kind of one of those, well, how much more do you need to see? I mean, you can keep the guy around his depth or whatever, but yeah. he's starting every day, like even Tuco have him play. No, I, I will, I will make, um, because I'll make an argument for Ben Gamble because he's being productive. Yeah. I won't make, and Newman's make an also been Gamble. productive of late. Right, right. And because, it, well, and the good thing with Newman is that you can then go a number of different ways. Either he's productive to the point where you're like, well, maybe we have a guy who's part of the part of this lineup moving forward, or at least he does enough where he comes a little bit more, you know, he becomes a little bit more attractive in potential trades in the offseason. Uh, if you're looking to upgrade other areas of the roster and you can include him because you want guys like Marcano or um, Diego Castillo or whatever, you know, taking, taking that spot in the lineup. Okay. That's great. And then you can use Newman as, um, as trade capital for, you know, upgrading another area of the, of the, of the roster. Um, But yeah, guys like Greg Allen who are, you know, going to the plate four times a night and, doing nothing uh, to me that doesn't that doesn't doesn't, doesn't do anything needle. no it, it doesn't do anything when ben gamble goes into go, steps up into the batter's box you have at least have a decent feeling he might do something there you know just because he has for the most part so you know that's fine but when greg allen steps up there and he you know you're like you're more surprised whenever he does do something you're like uh all right no i, I don't I'll make an argument for one or two guys. I'm not going to make an argument for like three or four guys taking that spot every time because, yeah, ultimately you need to get Jack Swinsky back in the major leagues, looking at major league pitching and continuing that development and you being getting a chance to utilize what he's done in, in AAA and then taking it into the major league game because that part, because of what you saw of Jack earlier this year and he can possibly become a future part of this lineup, you that's a guy who need, does need to be in the lineup. And I, I, hmm. I will say that Greg Allen needs to come out and Jack Swinsky needs to go back in. Right? That one I'll argue. I'll agree with everybody on that one. Yeah. I've, I'm just going to keep going back to the same point I've made and something I've had coaches say, there is no substitute for the major league game. And Absolutely. Yeah. As simple as that. Yeah. Hey, we got a little more show left to come. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Pirates podcast to be named later here in the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. We're, we're going to go to be the, the Rangers podcast network here for a little bit. Oh, God. You, you covered that team for a couple years, man. Any thoughts on them just absolutely cleaning house? Uh, kind of the same similar things that we were talking about with the Pirates. I, I definitely don't think that they were 
taken the step. For, I mean, for, we you you talk about the Pirates are ready to compete in 2024. Mm-hmm. That's that's their goal. Well, the goal for the Rangers, and it was very out in the open and honest. 2023 was the year that they expect to become a playoff team. Like not, oh, we might sneak in. No, like they expect to be a playoff team in 2023. And they have not taken the step forward this year that they expected. The offense has gotten better as it should have been. Got it, you know, spending over five or over half a billion dollars, you know, upgrading your offense. Um, but they haven't seen the pitching development that they needed to see. Uh, I, I, I was not shocked when Chris Woodward was let go. Um, I was a little shocked when John Daniels was let go um, because he was already kind of taking a step back anyway. Uh, this was becoming more and more of Chris Young's team anyway. I mean, he's the GM now. He's beginning to become much more influential and beginning to really orchestrate all of the happenings of this team while JD was really taking a step back and spending more time, you know, with his, with his family and with, you know, with his, with his kids. And um, so for them to turn around 48 hours later and give him the ax unknowingly, uh, I thought that was a little, um, I'm even going to go on a limb and say that was a little disrespectful for how long he was there. Um, if you want to let him quietly go away in the off season, um, and say, Hey, Chris, you know, get, you know, you know, the whole reason was like, let's, let's get a running start for the off season. That's fine. He can still do the same thing with JD in the background. And then he just goes away at the end of the year, you know, no big deal. But I thought it was a bit disrespectful, honestly, because how long he was there. I mean, he was the. He was the guy who orchestrated, you know, back-to-back World Series in 2010 and 2011, the best era of Rangers baseball. Um, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't too, I was, I was shocked about it first, and then I, I had some time to think about. It. I'm like, yeah, I don't think that was a very nice thing or respectful thing to, for them to do for a guy who's been there as long as he had. So, not shocked about Chris Woodward, but what are you gonna do, man? I mean, there, I mean, that the good thing is, is that. Ownership wasn't satisfied with the trajectory and they made decisions based off of that. I think, I think pirate, I think pirates fans would appreciate that. (laughs) On that note. Wow. (laughs) On that note, we're (laughs) we're going to say thank you so much for listening to the pirates and sometimes Rangers podcast to be named later (laughs) here on the DK Pittsburgh sports podcast network. If you haven't subscribed already, wherever you find a podcast, we're going to be there and all the other great shows that we have here on the network. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again next week.